Hello, 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 and welcome to the Cloud English Podcast. My name is Luke. It is December 10th, December 10th, in the afternoon, 2024. And we have a lot of things to talk about today. We're going to be focusing on action verbs. How do we describe actions using verbs? What are some of the grammar points around using verbs, right? How can we use verbs regularly to kind of force ourselves to improve our English? That's going to be the first thing we talk about. And also, we're going to be focusing on visually learning verbs. Now, for those of you who are listening, I will do my best there when we talk about that to describe what we're seeing. I would encourage you, if you do enjoy listening, to maybe find that section later and watch it. Fine. I, again, I'm going to try to make it as good a listening experience as I can because I appreciate and am grateful for those who just like to listen. In fact, you know, I'm, I'm one of you. I, I, I also like to listen more than I like to, uh, more than I like to watch sometimes, often, usually. Let's see. Uh, we have a few people joining live here, but a few things at the top of the show. If you want to get a big discount on the yearly membership, you can do that on the website and the links in the description. You can get 30% off for the first 12 months. That is a rolling discount, so go ahead and grab that. It's a monthly payment, though. You can get the whole year 30% off but each month, so that's kind of an unusual unusual thing. Usually, to get the 30% off, you have to pay everything all at once the whole year, right? So grab that if you like. Uh, you can also check out courses uh, on Udemy where usually they go up first. And there have been a few, a few new, relatively new ones recently. A new ChatGPT course went up. There's going to be a new course coming out this month. And then another new one coming out at the beginning of next month. So look out for those. If you want, you can grab the, uh, the free course, Natural English Conversations. That's in the link in the description. If you enjoy, if you enjoy uh, the podcast, then you can hit the like button and subscribe to see ones in the future, depending on where you're watching or listening. That may be a subscribe, that may be a follow, that may be a five-star review or, or whatever. So, you know, do the, do that, do the thing, do that thing. Uh, Christmas is coming up. As I said, it's December 10th. So that's exciting. It will be my son's first Christmas. I don't think he's going to remember his first Christmas because he's still only about four months old, so he doesn't probably not going to remember anything. But anyway, it is coming up. Um, we've decorated the Christmas tree, all of that stuff. So I hope you're having, anyway, a good one, a good weekend, or a good whatever, whenever it is that you're watching or listening to this. Let's see. What else? Welcome, Rula and Baruma and Raul and Alan. Alan, I really appreciate how you spell your name. For some reason, A-L-L-E-N kind of bothers me, but A-L-A-N, that's much better. Clean. I kind of like that spelling. 
Uh, you can join the Discord for free. That's in the links in the description. I think that's about it, honestly. There's nothing else. So I think we can get into it. But those of you who are watching live here on YouTube and Facebook, uh, you can ask questions and I'll see if I can answer if, you know, if anything, if anything comes up. Okay. All right. So let's get into it. We're going to start with journaling and I'm going to hop over here and we're going to focus on how we can talk or practice using verbs and language in general to improve and practice your English. There are many benefits to journaling. This is often a way to keep track of your emotions over time, your, your personal development, get in touch with your spiritual side. There are a lot of benefits for, of journaling, right? So a lot of people recommend it. I'm going to recommend journaling as a way to practice your English, as a way to improve your English, and particularly when you want to maybe focus on something specifically. There's an opportunity because you do it every day to make a lot of progress pretty quickly. It can become part of your daily habits, right? So let's go through a few things we can do uh, to use journaling to improve English and to practice words that we may be learning. So first, let's say you want to, you want to work on some new verbs, right? The perfect way to do that is to do a recap of your day, right? Now, depending on what those verbs are, it's going to be very different from person to person, right? So just do a summary of your day and then try to use verbs that you want to use. Now, that may be very simple, like this morning, I woke up early, cooked breakfast, and then went to work. Okay, you might say those are very simple. Well, maybe you're not practicing using new verbs, but instead you're practicing verb tenses and you want to make sure that you know how to use all of the verb tenses in the past. Okay, now then if you're practicing specific verbs, you might challenge yourself to use more difficult vocabulary. So maybe you learned the word negotiate. Well, have you done that recently when you do your journal entry for that day, maybe try putting it, putting it in a, sense, a sentence, excuse me, as part of your recap. Today, I negotiated a deal at work and then try to describe that a little bit. If it's another word, see if you can fit that in. Now, for some words, it's going to be a little bit difficult because it might not fit into your daily routine, but you would be surprised how many words you can find a way to use. And what are you doing? What are you doing? You're, you're practicing, right? This is a way to practice and put it into usage. Yes, I'm learning these five words. Can I put it into my daily journal? And if so, does it sound natural when I do it, right? To take it a slight step further, we might talk about emotions, think back on the day. This is not just describing what happened. This is not just a recap of I did this, I did that, I negotiated this. This is to then once you have all those things, add in 
how you were feeling at the time. And again, you have the opportunity to use new vocabulary to challenge yourself. I pondered over the feedback I received today and, and right, decided to make some changes. Okay, so pondered, that might be a more advanced word that you're trying to use. To ponder something is to kind of hmm, deeply think about it. You're pondering that. That might be a good word to practice. So if there's a new word that fits into your actions in your recap, great. But if not, maybe that can go into the reflection part where you're adding detail and talking about how, how you feel. And also, you know, take the opportunity to be very descriptive, to add a lot of detail to what you write. The more detail you add, the more descriptive you are, the more opportunities you have to practice using new vocabulary, to practice using complicated grammar that you may be working on, to make sure that your verb tenses are, are correct, and to add things like interesting adverbs and adjectives to your descriptions. So at the park, children were playing joyfully, dogs were roaming around and or running around and couples were strolling leisurely. Right? So leisurely describes how they were strolling, joyfully describes how the children were playing, right? So I'm adding a little bit of color and depth using adjectives and using adverbs, especially when we're talking about verbs and actions, using adverbs as a way to add a lot of color and pop. If you say just strolling, as opposed to strolling leisurely, well, those are two different things and you get a bit more of an image when you say stroll leisurely. You wanna be careful not to use too many adverbs. It can be a little weird, but it can also be a great way to, to add depth and color to your descriptions. Try to talk about the future. So when you're doing the recap, you're using the past tense, maybe you're using the simple past, maybe you're using the, the past perfect tense or the present perfect tense or the past continuous tense, but push yourself also to go into the present. How do you think today about what happened earlier today? How do you think right now about that? And also looking forward into the future. Tomorrow I plan to organize my desk and start working on the new project. So there you're pushing yourself to move back and forward, backwards and forwards in time, which is forcing you to challenge your use of verbs and tenses, right? Which can be a great way to a great way to practice. And it's not just doing a random exercise, you're talking about your life, right? You're talking about what matters to you, okay? And again, we might do this in a, a couple of sentences together, just as a challenge. Yesterday, I attended a seminar. Today, I am attending a seminar. Tomorrow, I will attend a marketing event or a workshop, sorry, I said seminar twice. So there I'm using the same verb multiple times, but I'm using it in different ways. Again, I'm pushing myself to make sure I understand how to use that verb naturally, okay? So let's try to just put it all together, just as an example, and you can get a sense for how your, 
your journal might look if you're doing this every day. Again, this is just an example using a few of the a few of the phrases we talked about. I'm going to look down to read it. Today I woke up feeling surprisingly energetic and jogged in the park, which was tiring but gave me a big endorphin boost. At work I collaborated with my team on a challenging project. I felt proud of our collective effort. For lunch, I tried Lebna for the first time. It was a delightful new experience. In the evening, feeling a bit anxious about my upcoming medical exam, I gave my friend a call, which really helped take my mind off things. Before death, before death, before bed, <laughs> before bed, I read a few chapters of The Great Gatsby. I'm really intrigued by the lifestyles people had in, the, in 1920s America. I'm planning to finish the book by next week before I pick up the Dark Tower series. So notice here we have all those elements. Maybe we have some challenging new words that I'm trying to learn, right? Maybe I'm trying to I'm trying to put in words like delightful or collective effort, whatever whatever words I may want to try to use, right? Notice I'm talking about how not just what happened but how I feel. I woke up feeling surprisingly energetic and jogged in the park. So that's an action, but also feelings and emotions emotions connected to them, right? I am talking about something I will do in the future. I am planning to finish the book next week, uh, by next week, before I pick up the Dark Tower series. So I'm doing a, uh, a thing that I plan to do, and in the future, once a certain thing is done, finishing The Great Gatsby, right? And I'm adding some interesting details, some interesting adjectives and adverbs to make my description a bit more colorful. So that's it. I challenge you to start journaling and use it as a daily routine to push yourself to create something really nice. Simple, this is not long, right? Simple, but clear, concise, challenging yourself, challenging your use of new vocabulary, your use of tenses, grammar, and all of that stuff, right? Your ability to describe things, to talk about how you feel, to talk about what you want in the future. And again, this is just a very simple example. Try it for yourself. If you get a lot out of the exercise the first day, keep that streak going. Try it again. Try it the second day. If you feel like there's some momentum and you're really learning some things and you feel like you're making some progress, do it again. See if you can make it a habit. Let me know how it goes in the comments if you haven't already done so. Don't forget to hit the like button and subscribe and get a free course in the links in the description. All right. Hi, long time. This is not a real journal entry from me. Sorry. It's not a real one. I made it up. I made it up. Writing is a little hard. Well, if you say writing is hard, then it is hard. But if you say it's not hard, then it's not hard. Everyone can write a little bit, right? You wrote, your, you wrote that comment, so you must be able to write. You must be able to write. Narula says, hi, you're one of the best teachers I've seen before, and I hope you're doing well. Thank you very much, Narula. I appreciate that. 
Uncle Ben. Hello, Alejandro. Yo, greetings from Mexico. Hello, Alejandro. Great to have you. I think we're going to hop right into our next topic, but feel free to let me know if you have questions throughout. Let me know if you have questions throughout. What we're going to do is look at action verbs that are kind of specific and not too general. And we're going to try to learn them visually using GIFs. So let's try that. Okay. I'm going to assume that you know most of the very basic verbs like talk and jump and dance and eat. But there are some, let's say, more specific, which are fairly common, but you don't hear them as often as those others, right? Those really common ones like eat. And so I want to explore these, but I want to, I want to explore them in a certain way. I want to do it by showing you these to get a real feeling for it. These action verbs, we're going to be looking at 25 here. We're going to be looking at 25 action verbs and how we can use them naturally and looking at GIFs of each one. That's right. I've gone through and collected GIFs of these action verbs. And if you want to say it as GIFs, that's fine. We may have an argument. That's okay with me. Um, we're just going to go through these one by one. Okay. Starting with poke. And if I look down, it's because I'm looking down at my, at my screen here. So let's start with poke. Now, what do you think of when you think of poke? If you think of using your finger to do something, you're probably right. The main meaning of poke is to generally push somebody with your finger to annoy them, to remind them, to get their attention, something like that. So the classic, classic picture is the Pillsbury Doughboy being poked in the belly, it makes him laugh. He goes <laughs> like that. And someone, this, this you could say might be tapping or poking. One would be a poke. And if it happens a lot of times, then we might call it a tap. But just that single action of the squirrel in the fish tank is a poke. Now, this becomes digital when, um, for example, this becomes digital when you want to get somebody's attention in a messenger I think, well, not all messengers have it, but some have it where you can just get somebody's attention that might be a poke. It's like, hey, 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 hey. Maybe there's a button or a function for that, okay? So that's generally how poke is used, again, to annoy someone to get their attention. Let's, we're gonna go pretty quickly here. So let's talk about pinch. What's the first thing when you think of pinch? Again, a thing you do with your fingers, right? So to pinch someone, we might pinch somebody's cheeks, somebody we think is very cute. We might do that in an affectionate way, right? Um, often a little baby's cheeks, we might pinch their cheeks. That's a common expression for how we would interact with a baby to, to pinch their chubby cheeks. 
in this in this image he's pinching her cheeks again that's kind of an affectionate thing right spongebob is is pinching himself either some sometimes we use the expression i need i pinched myself to make sure you're not asleep and dreaming if something is too good to be true or too scary to be true you pinch yourself to make sure you're not dreaming or if you feel like maybe you're a little overweight you might pinch yourself to to see how much how much fat is between your fingers but you can use pinch in all kinds of ways it's really just this this action and you might use it right affectionately you might use it as a measurement to pinch yourself you might use it to wake yourself up you might use it to bother someone you might pinch someone to cause them pain you might grab a pinch of salt so that's actually a unit of measurement often you read that in recipe books just get a pinch a pinch of salt so i think we're going to leave these open so i'll scroll through them all once we're done here okay so that's generally the idea it can be used to annoy it can be used affectionately it can be used in so many different ways and a pinch would be would be a noun how about shuffle shuffle the first thing i think of when i hear shuffle is shuffling cards so to shuffle cards would be to mix them up if you do it with one hand or two hands it's really the action of messing everything up to shuffle things around is to move them around in a kind of chaotic way so you could shuffle people around if there's a group of people lined up i'm going to shuffle you guys around i think this order is not quite right maybe there's a family photo and you want to make sure that uh, there's some tall people and some short people in different places I need to shuffle you guys around a bit so that we can get a more, let's say, balanced family photo. Okay, so it's just kind of moving things around in a in a messy way. But also, shuffle is when you kind of drag your feet, you scuff your feet along the ground because you're depressed, because you're tired, because you can't lift your legs up whatever it is in this case in this case very kind of depressed right just kind of scraping your feet along the ground that is also shuffling so we have moving things around or changing the order of things in it in a chaotic way like cards we have being depressed and and scuffing or shuffling your feet along the ground but also as a type of dance and it's the same thing look at the feet they're kind of moving along the ground and scraping along the ground and so they're shuffling so a type of dance might be described as a shuffle too this type of dance in particular is called a shuffle dance okay how about tip if the first thing you think with tip is to tip a waiter that's that's right a tip can be a noun but you, when you do that thing or you have a waiter or waitress you would tip them that's an action you might give someone a tip, uh, but that is less often used as a verb, right? As in, I give them some advice. Now, tip someone off would be one expression that we would use to sort of give somebody a hint about what somebody's doing that's maybe bad, uh, to tell the police about it. Uh, the police got a tip. He tipped them off to give them something they need to take some action. Sometimes, sometimes. But we would also use tip in another way of something falling over now often this is something like a boat or a or some big object right uh my cat always tips glasses over 
from the table onto the floor. It's so annoying. But it's a static, stationary thing often that tips over. You could describe a person as tipping over, but most of the time when people do that, we say fall instead of tip. It's not as common to use tip for people. Uh, instead, we use fall. In this case, the boat is tipping and she is falling out of the boat, or the canoe is tipping over, tipping over, and she is falling out, right? So I wouldn't describe her as tipping necessarily. I would describe the, the canoe as tipping. Again, if you say she tipped, it's okay. It's, it's okay. There's actually an activity called cow tipping, where cows are asleep standing up and people push them over. But that's not as common. It's usually some kind of stationary, stationary object. Okay. Next one is squint. Squint. Okay. So what is squinting? Squinting. Oh, let me make these a little bigger here. Let me make these a little bit bigger. These are too small. Squinting is when you want to see something better and you make your eyes very narrow and you look far away to see it better. What is the heck is that? You can't see. Maybe because you don't have your glasses or because it's just really far away. We squint when things are far away because we want to see them, right? And maybe we would squint for other reasons. For example, this classic gif of maybe being suspicious of someone. You squint when you're a little unclear about why they said what they said or whether they're trying to trick you or not. So you might go, hmm, I don't know about that. You're suspicious. You have reservations. You might squint for that reason. You might squint simply when the sun is in your eyes. The sun is shining in your eyes. So you, you squint to keep it out of your eyes. For all those reasons, we would squint. Now, kind of the opposite of that, in a way, not exactly, is glare. G-L-A-R-E, glare. To glare is to look at someone in a fixed way with your eyes open, usually with a kind of intense expression or intention. You're not just looking casually. You're looking in a very intense way. Now, that doesn't mean that you are angry, but it sometimes could be used to describe someone who's angry. So I want to be clear. It doesn't only mean anger. But someone who is angry and looking at the person they're angry at might be glaring at them. Often glaring happens through kind of through your eyebrows like that. There's a kind of intensity to it and often a kind of intention behind it of I'm not happy about this or you're in trouble or I'm about to, to you know, tip you over or something like that. Right. So here's another one. I mean, obviously, th this expression here, she's not, this is not a good expression. It's not just looking. It's not staring. Staring is different. Staring is just your eyes are wide open. That's it, right? So there's a, there's a certain meanness, perhaps, to, to glaring, usually. What about flick? Next one is flick. Flick. What the heck is flick? Okay, so to flick is this action that you would do with your finger, Usually it's one finger and you're, you're maybe doing that to another person, which might be painful. You flick them. So you might flick someone's ear. That could be painful. You might flick something like flick a card or flick a piece of cardboard or flick a piece of wood. 
that that is a way to launch that thing at someone else or or over there wherever you want it to be right so flick is just an, an action but it might be done for different reasons again to propel something to bother someone to you know all kinds of different different reasons but sometimes people also say to flick your hair so this kind of action of doing this is flicking your hair obviously since women i would say in general are more likely to have long hair generally it is it is more often associated with women but certainly doesn't have to be to this kind of action that she's doing is she's flicking her hair it's much less common than the the finger meaning but uh it it uh it is a, it, it, it 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 is <laughs> that's not how i wanted to say that it is a thing people say how about squeeze? We're moving quickly through these. Squeeze. Okay. Squeezing oranges to have something in your hands, in your arms, between your fingers. It doesn't really matter what it is between, but it is something between something else. Between your feet, between your legs, between your fingers, between your hands, between your arms. And you're putting a lot of pressure on that. In this case, oranges you squeeze oranges to make orange juice so what how do you make orange juice you squeeze oranges you squeeze them so you might squeeze all kinds of things right you might squeeze a pencil eraser but also you can squeeze through things you might squeeze through the door if you're on a busy uh, uh, subway train you might squeeze past people to get out right so it can be used in so many different ways. You would squeeze a bottle of honey to get some honey out, whether you're in space or not. But like this octopus is doing, the octopus is squeezing itself out of the bottle. So, so octopi are incredible at getting through very small spaces because they don't have bones. And so they can squeeze themselves through very tiny openings like this one is doing here. Okay, so can be used for all of those things. Now you can squeeze people in non-physical ways. Sometimes we use squeeze to put pressure on people to um, make, we want them to feel stressed. We want them to, you know, pay me back. So I, I had to squeeze a little bit to get him to pay me back. Would not be physically squeezing, but maybe putting pressure in some other way. What about tug? To tug. To tug is to pull on something. So in this case, he's pulling on his mom's sweater. Instead of saying pull on, it would be actually more common to say tug, tug. Now tug might be a, sh a short repeated action like this or tugging on a sweater, right? Uh, or something like that. But it may also be a sustained action that is very intense and hard with the goal of maybe pulling something that's heavy or maybe uh, resisting someone, right? So an example would be this, for example, these two are tugging on a, what looks like a towel and they're tugging it back and forth because one of them maybe wants to have it, right? Maybe I want the towel, you want the towel. No, I want the towel, you want the towel. So they're tugging the towel back and forth. They're using a lot of effort so tugging often implies a lot of effort. A classic thing 
is a tug of war. Well, why is it called a tug of war? Because you have 10 people on one side and 10 people on the other, and they're both tugging on a rope, trying to pull the other side over a line so that they will fall down and they, they will win, right? So that's why it's called a tug of war. You may have heard of a, for example, tug boat. A tugboat is that, that little boat that pulls huge ships in a canal or in a bay along. It's a small boat, but it's, it's very strong and it can pull or tug those boats, okay? How about snap? Well, one might come to mind. A simple meaning of snap usually is with your fingers, right? Like Mary Poppins. Snap your fingers to put your clothes away, right? But also famously the Thanos snap using the infinity gauntlet to wipe out half of all life in the universe. To snap your fingers is to make that sound with your fingers. Even if you don't have an infinity gauntlet, which I'm sure we don't all have. I have one, I have a couple, but not everyone has one. Or if you're Mary Poppins, again, that same sort of thing. It's that same simple action. But snap could also be something like a tree branch, or in this case, a golf club, to snap it in half. Again, you're making a sort of loud sound. It's going like that. It's not, in this case, coming from your fingers. It's coming from the golf club, which is being snapped. So you would snap a tree branch. You would, uh, someone might have their neck snapped in, a, in an action movie. Oh, that's right. Someone's bones may snap uh, or crack, right? So snap broadly can describe a kind of noise that can have all kinds of causes and be both good and bad. Snapping a golf club may be a bad thing for me if those are my golf clubs, but maybe having a chip when I break it, it goes like that. And that's that snap of the chip is actually something I like. It's crunchy. I like that. And maybe and maybe there, there's a little onomatopoeia word that appears on the back of the chip where you see it breaking. And then there's a little word that pops out and it goes snap. And that snap would be to show the chip's crispness, right? So snap is just a sound. It can be bones. It can be branches. It can be anything like that. It can be golf clubs. <laughs> And it can also be that simple thing that we do with our fingers, okay? All right, let's keep going. Let's keep going. We have, uh, let's see, how many more do we have to do? We're going to go very fast here. We have slide, snicker, gaze, sneak, hoist, cradle, squirm, weave, etch, latch, drape, sprinkle, skim, hammer, scrub, and twirl. All right. I used to do this, by the way. I used to play golf in high school. And to intimidate other golfers if I missed something or something didn't go right. I used to carry an extra cheap old golf club around uh, to intimidate other players. I would, if I didn't hit the ball quite right, I would take it out, I would snap it, <laughs> and uh, then that, they would be kind of nervous because golf is a mental game, right? Just to intimidate them. Try it out, it works. Okay, twirl is next. So twirling is a, it could be a type of dancing, or let's just say a type of movement. You know, in this case, it's, I guess, part of a dance. This woman is twirling, and her robes are, uh, are, are being thrown outward, or her robes are flowing as she twirls. But anyone can twirl, right? I, 
a child can twirl. Just twirling is just that turning motion. It can be like a dance, but doesn't have to be a dance, right? But you can twirl objects too. Like this girl is twirling the stick. Obviously, she's doing some kind of martial arts very well and very impressively. And she is twirling that. So she is not twirling. She is twirling the stick. And some people have this ability to do this thing with a pencil or pen where they can go like that. It blows my mind. They can twirl a pen or pencil very well in their fingers. That's amazing. I was never able to do it. But they can sort of like make it go on all of their fingers and it kind of goes across their fingers. It's pretty mind-blowing. I've always been very impressed by that sort of pen twirling. Scrub is next. Scrub. So this is often associated with cleaning. To scrub something is to put a lot of pressure into it, to rub it vigorously, often with the purpose of cleaning something. Maybe you do it with your hand. Maybe you do it with a sponge. Maybe uh, you do it with a toothbrush because maybe you have a, a piece of jewelry, right? And you have some uh, cleaning product you put on it and you want to scrub that thing to get it nice and shiny and clean. And this guy is scrubbing his beard in the shower, just using his hands and some soap, but still scrubbing. Someone using a sponge and some maybe Windex to scrub and clean their refrigerator, and someone using a sponge to scrub the tile in their shower. So usually there's a cleaning some kind of uh, cleaning cleaning function happening there. Now, you, you might hear scrub related to things that aren't actually scrubbing. Like, for example, if you put dishes in the dishwasher, you might hear someone say, the, the dishwasher scrubs the dishes clean. But when you if you were to look in the dishwasher when it's actually working, is it actually doing that action? No, it's just spraying water on them. But sometimes you'll hear scrub used a little bit more loosely uh, to just mean to kind of put a lot of pressure on something to, to clean it, right? How about hammer? Well, you probably know hammer with a hammer. So you have a hammer and you hit a hammer, you hit something with a hammer, you're hammering, okay? But the hammer, this verb, again, we're talking about verbs here. So yeah, you can do that with a hammer. But if you're doing this, this intense action in general, like this, even if it's on a door, uh, then hammer. It's also hammer. It has a non-physical meaning too, right? I'm trying to hammer home the point. If I keep repeating something, or I give you 10 examples, or I try to explain it with extreme detail, I say, I'm trying to hammer home this point. I'm trying to make you understand. So that's not a physical meaning but it's the same basic idea. So whether you're using an actual physical hammer or you're just banging on something like a door or you're trying to do say or explain something or do something repeatedly to accomplish something, you can use hammer for all of those, okay? Next is skim. To skim, okay. So one meaning of skim, for example, is to take the top layer off of something. You know, when you have milk, and with milk you have the milk, and then on top you have the cream. 
And some people will skim the cream off of the milk uh, to turn it into butter, churn it into butter, right? Well, that action of skimming something is to take off the surface. Maybe this person thinks there's too much whipped cream on their coffee, and so they want to skim some off. Or maybe they're skimming it off and eating it directly. I don't know, right? In this, in this way, skim might be used in a negative way. For example, if someone is uh, embezzling money, right? Uh, maybe they're part of a, uh, an agency or something. And for every transaction that happens, they illegally take a little bit, take a little bit, take a little bit, hopefully in a way that no one else notices. And then when finally this person goes to jail for doing this, they say, well, he just was skimming off the top, skimming off the top, taking a little bit, taking a little bit over time. It's the same basic idea. We also use skim when we talk about getting information, right? To not read something carefully, to read it kind of casually, to get the basic idea, just the gist of the information we would be skimming. Here's, for example, Donald Trump skimming through some kind of some kind of legislation. He's actually not skimming through it because to skim through it, you do have to get some information. You do have to kind of understand something, right? I, if someone says, "Hey, did you read that article I sent you?" I say, "I, I skimmed it. I skimmed it." <laughs> Means I, I I understand basically what it's all about. I looked through it. I kind of understand, but don't ask me any deep questions because I didn't read it carefully. So what I'm saying there is I didn't read it carefully. This person is doing something I think called skim boarding, but I think you can get the same idea as skimming the cream off of the milk. You know, they're kind of uh, on very shallow water skimming across the surface of the water in the same way. Not a particularly common usage, but I think that's called skim boarding. Okay, sprinkle to sprinkle, to sprinkle sprinkles on a donut. So the things that you may sprinkle may be actual sprinkles. Sprinkles are little pieces of sweet something. They're hard, they're kind of crunchy, and you might use them not so much for flavor, but as decoration uh, or texture on a donut or in ice cream. They might be chocolate, often they're rainbow colored, right? So in this case, you're sprinkling, you're sprinkling sprinkles on a donut, but you might sprinkle salt on something. You might sprinkle a little bit of basil on something. So this is often associated with food. It's often associated with spices, things you would add on top of something, right? But sometimes you hear people use it like sprinkling joy, right? Wherever you go, you sprinkle joy. Uh, I don't know, something like that. There's just a, a sense of it being a little bit and it's here and there, right? And it's kind of thrown around in a non-precise way. When you sprinkle salt, for example, you, you're not placing each grain of salt. You're, as Salt Bay is doing here, just kind of letting it go and it goes where it goes. That's the feeling of sprinkle. And sometimes, for example, rain would be called a, a it's just a sprinkle. There's, it's sprinkling sometimes. If it's a few drops here and there, it's sprinkling. It's very, very light. And a thing that sprays water around your yard to keep it wet, if it's a dry season and you're trying to grow grass, what is that thing called? It is called a sprinkler. It is called a sprinkler. Okay, how about drape? 
What about drapes? So here's someone who is draping the flag, the Argentinian flag, over their shoulders. So to drape something is to cover it. You might drape a chair with a blanket, or you could say the chair is, or the blanket is draped over the chair, right? Uh, the flag is draped around his shoulders. So drape is often used that way as a verb. Drapes, the things, are often things that are uh, in front of windows to block out the sun. Here's a quote from Seinfeld. I would drape myself in velvet if it were socially acceptable. That means completely cover myself in velvet. And then here he is fully draped in a, looks like a velvet, a velvet tracksuit. Okay. All right, let's keep going. Latch. Latch. So... To latch would be to attach very firmly to something and, and not let go, right? The face huggers from the Alien series, the, they're called face huggers, and they hug on your face, and I think they, they lay eggs or something in, in your body, and then an alien is born out of your chest, which is horrifying. But they latch onto your face. Yes, they hug your face, but they latch onto your face. They, they grab on and they don't let go. A latch is a thing that holds one thing together, like a door latch is the thing that holds the door closed. It goes katunk, and it holds it there. So it is latched. The door is latched. The gate is latched, right? Undo the latch and open it. So a, a latch is a thing often that holds one thing to another thing, whether it's a door uh, or some, some little hook or something like that, which holds something onto something else. Uh, in this case, the, the, well, I have a, where's my, where's my, I had another one here. I had another one, but it's missing. Huh. Where's that one? Let me add that one quickly. I'm just going to do this because I don't want you to miss this one. Give me one second here. Where is my, where is my latch? Where is my latch? There it is. I found it. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Okay. Okay, so there, the dog is latched on the stick or latched onto the stick. So it's grabbing on so tightly that you can carry it. So its, its mouth is latched onto the stick. You often hear latch also associated with breastfeeding. Uh, babies latch onto their mothers. There's a thing called a latch, and that is how well they're able to uh, to latch and get milk from their mothers. So latching is a very, very common word, okay? Etch, etch, etch. So to etch is similar to, it's similar to carve, right? But usually when you etch something, you're etching a specific thing. So carving might be a broad action or activity like carving wood, but what are you carving? But to etch something is to maybe carve something that's information, like your name, right? So to etch something, to etch your name in a tree is to take out a knife and carve it, and there it is. Your name is on that tree. Etch my name in history one more time. What does that mean? Well, that's not a physical meaning, but here Conor McGregor is saying that he wants to 
do something so memorable and important that other people talk about it and it's this iconic thing. So there he wants to etch a, let's say an event in time that associates his name with important events in history or UFC history or whatever, right? Sometimes you hear the expression etched in stone. If it's etched in stone, maybe not physically, but maybe physically, then it's kind of permanent. You can't get rid of it. Everybody knows it. Everyone will remember it. It is etched in stone in this case, etched in history. There's a thing called an etch-a-sketch. It's a little toy and it has these knobs and it etches using, I don't know, some kind of weird dust. I don't know what it is. It etches, you etch your name or draw pictures or whatever. It's called an etch-a-sketch. Right? How about weave? To weave, to weave, to weave, to weave. So to weave is to bring, uh, let's say, separate things together into a larger thing. In this case, weaving grass into whatever it is that they're making. But we use weaving to make fabric. We would use a loom to make fabric that we would use to make textiles that we would use to make clothes, right? Well, what we're doing is weaving, right? That loom, what does the loom do? The loom weaves. The loom weaves. If you saw the latest season of Loki, the whole season is about this thing called the... I'm already forgetting. I just watched it. What's it called? The the loom... Is it just called the loom or the time loom? I, now I forget. So it's the timeline loom. I forget. It wasn't that memorable. Anyway, it's weaving together timelines in the universe, in the multiverse. It's weaving together timelines, right? So it's bringing, bringing different things together. So another way to use it, because when you weave, you have maybe different fabric going back and forth, you may weave in and out of traffic. So someone on a motorcycle is weaving in and out of traffic at high speed. Sounds dangerous. The dog is weaving. See how it's going back and forth, back and forth. It It's not making fabric with its tail. It, I suppose if you attach, maybe if you attached some yarn to the dog's tail, I wonder if you attached some yarn to the dog's tail and had it do this, through these pylons or whatever those are a hundred times. I wonder if you could make a sweater. <laughs> How do you make sweaters? I have a special uh, dog based technique. <laughs> so that, but the action, this motion, the dog is weaving, the dog is weaving, uh, weaving in and out of the, whatever those things are called. I don't know. Pylons, sticks. I don't know. Okay. How about, how about squirm? Squirm. So worm squirm, this action of things moving in a creepy, gross way uh, makes us feel uncomfortable when you see, you know, 50 worms undulating. It's kind of like undulate, undulating and moving in this sort of uh, erratic way. But when we feel uncomfortable, Somebody asks us a difficult question, a question we don't have the answer to. We don't know how to explain it. It's too personal, whatever. We may 
we may squirm. Ooh. Or we see something uncomfortable, like a uh, hundred worms squirming. We say, oh, I don't like that. It made me squirm. Seeing that made me squirm. Seeing them squirm made me squirm. So when we do that, it's this type of kind of awkward expression that we might have on our faces and maybe even a bodily movement like in this and uh, this one here. Okay, we're getting there. We're getting there. We're almost there. Next one is cradle. Cradle. So we would cradle a baby the way that you hold a baby. Not to hold it up here like this, but to hold it down in your arms. That way of holding a baby is to cradle it. To cradle something often in your arms. In your arms. Something is cradled by something. It is held securely by that, right? Uh, maybe the baby birds were cradled in their nest, for example. But in this case, you're cradling a trophy. So it's just a way of holding something, right? It's a specific way of holding something. But often it's, it's for children, very affectionate, right? To cradle them in a secure way that makes them feel safe. The thing that they sleep in may be called a cradle, a specific type of thing that they sleep in. Maybe, not all of them, may be called a cradle. There are also bassinets and other things like that. But one might be called a, a cradle. Um, I think there's a song. Uh, when the when the bow breaks, the cradle will drop. So there's a baby in a cradle. For some reason, the cradle's in a tree. I never understood that. And then the cradle falls when the tree branch breaks. It's a very disturbing song. I don't know why. I don't know why that's a song. Rockabye baby in the treetop. Why is a baby in a tree? When the wind blows, the cradle will rock. So the cradle go, rocks back and forth. When the bow breaks, the cradle will fall. Whoa, okay. Down will come baby, cradle and all. That's a disturbing song. Why does anybody sing that? Okay, how about hoist? To hoist is to lift something up or perhaps lift something using pulleys and ropes. A classic example would be to hoist the sails, matey. You'll hear hoist the sails in a lot of uh, pirate movies or sailing videos or whatever. To hoist something is to lift it up by pulling ropes. The ropes are attached to pull ropes. Lo ropes are attached to pulleys. And then they open the sails or close the sails that way, right? So you're lifting up the sails doing that. Hoist the sails. I don't think putting the sails down would be hoisting. Hoisting would be lifting the sails up. And I think putting the sails down would be lower the sails. So this would be hoisting the sails, they hoist those sails, but also just generally lifting something up high. Hoist is used for that. So hoisting someone up on your shoulders. Maybe if you've seen a, a movie where there's a sports team and they win in the end. And so they hoist the person who, who uh, scored the winning goal or whatever onto their shoulders. You lift them up onto your shoulders. You hoist hoist them up onto your shoulders. You will hoist up the trophy or whatever, right? So sort of lifting up in, in different ways. All right, four more. Sneak. I think you might know this one. Sneak is when you're trying to not be detected or noticed. You don't want others to see. If you get caught, you could get in trouble. You could go to jail or whatever it is. You are sneaking. That's the action. You are sneaking. So you might hide behind the door. You might try to be very quiet. You might 
uh, maybe tiptoe on your toes so that you're not heard, right? But to sneak something also would be to get something secretly. To sneak a hug would be, in this case, to hug this person without his permission, right? To get a quick one, just a quick one. It's often meant to say, I'm taking this quick opportunity to do this uh, without permission, right? To sneak a hug or perhaps sneak some bananas. You see some bananas on a plate and you sneak one, right? Uh, this might be used for someone who's on a diet. And then they go downstairs. They're supposed to be eating very well, but they go downstairs at night and they sneak a few Oreos. So there, yes, you are also being quiet, but the idea is that nobody is down there. Nobody knows you're doing it. So you're kind of doing it secretly without others knowing, right? So in that case, sneaking that thing. You're not just sneaking in general. One meaning is sneaking in general. But the other meaning is to sneak a thing, to sneak a cookie, to sneak an Oreo, to sneak a hug, right? Gaze. To gaze is another way of looking, often with affection or love. Sometimes, not always, you know, uh, someone who is absolutely in love with another person may just gaze at them lovingly, right? Uh, someone's loving gaze is something that's something that you hear. But you might just gaze into the distance for no reason, right? Um, his, his gaze was a million miles away is some, what some people say. If your gaze is a million miles away, maybe you're just lost in thought. You're contemplating life in the universe or whatever, right? Your gaze is a million miles away. It means you're not here. Your mind is far away. You're thinking about something, right? So you would gaze into the distance, right? Or you might gaze at someone else, kind of looking at them blankly. It's not exactly the same as staring. It's a little bit, it's a little bit. So when we think of staring, often we think of someone's eyes being very big and gazing would just be to look often for a long period of time for some reason, maybe because you're thinking about something or because you're in love or because you're confused or for, for no clear reason, right? Like gazing at each other. When she gazed at me, when she gazed at me, my heart melted, for example. How about snicker? Snicker. This is a certain type of laughing. There are a lot of different types of laughing. There's a, there's a giggle, for example, right? But a snicker is often behind a hand and it's kind of a hidden laugh. It's usually quiet. It's not too loud. Uh, you may be trying to avoid someone noticing that you're laughing. Uh, maybe you're trying to stop laughing. You don't want to be laughing, but you can't stop yourself in this case, right? Maybe you would snicker when you've done something mischievous, right? Or naughty that you weren't supposed to do. And you go, hee 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 hee, like that. That kind of hee 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 hee. In fact, I think that this... this um, Dog, what is the cartoon that it's from? It's from a classic cartoon that I can't remember right now. And it goes, hee 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 Wait, no, that's Scooby-Doo. He goes, hee something like that. But he's sort of, uh, you know, mischievous. He's hiding the laugh a little bit. He's got his hand up. Often you, when, when someone is snickering, they've got their hand up there because they're trying to, trying to disguise it. Or maybe, you know, not laughing out loud, but kind of laughing to yourself about something. So she may be trying to hide her laugh a little bit. She's, she's just kind of, <laughs> okay, all right, snickering to herself, right? Someone often 
doing this with their hand up. That's pretty common as well. All right, the last one is slide. So to slide is to, let's say for example, run and then launch yourself across the ice or the floor. And now you're moving because uh, you're, because you've moved very fast before, because you were running before, right? And your momentum is carrying you. So when you slide across the ice, when you slide down a slide, when you slide down the stairs, like this kid is doing, he's sliding down the stairs, you're not doing it with your own power, right? You're not walking, you're not crawling, you're not doing anything. You're letting momentum carry you, carry you. Or for this little kid, he's letting gravity carry him. He's sliding down the stairs. A slide is a thing that you would slide down. And so when you do that, what's carrying you? It's not you. You're not using your body. You're not using your muscles. No, you're sliding down the slide because of gravity. You start up high and, and you go down, right? So you're sliding down the slide. He's sliding across the gymnasium. Why? Because he, he was running first and maybe he's wearing very slippery pants. I don't know. So that's the basic idea. You could slide something across the table, right? Maybe um, uh, someone's trying to bribe somebody, right? Uh, trying to get somebody to do something. And so you, this happens in movies. Uh, he slid $500 across the table. To slide something across the table is to just push it across the table. You'll hear that pretty often too. Okay, so we've been through a lot. These action verbs that I hope now you have a better understanding of. Look at all of the ones that we've talked about using these GIFs. Hopefully, again, hopefully you have a better idea. But if you have any questions about these, if there are any you're not sure about, let me know in the comments if you haven't done so already. Don't forget to hit the like button and subscribe. Also, you can get a free course in the links in the description. And again, let me know if you have any questions. Okay. I'm just going to check through some... Well, actually, first thing I'm going to do is take a sip. Jeez. My throat is scratchy. My throat, my throat, my throat is scratchy. Um, let's see. Janik, hello, Engen. Okay, a lot of people joined since I started. Sorry for not getting to those. Alejandro poking his nose. No, that would be Alejandro picking your nose, not poking. To poke would be that. But then picking would be to go inside and grab something, extract it. Either way, not a good thing to do. Um, stop tugging my sweater. That would be a good example. Yep. Yannick says, I can finally watch my Favo teacher live since I fixed the chat. Yeah, great to have you. Snap the spoon, I suppose. I mean, a metal spoon might not snap, right? A metal spoon would probably bend, right? Um, but a plastic spoon would definitely snap. We go tsh, like that. Skim like swim. Don't understand drape. Okay, so draping would be, let's say it's winter. I'm cold, right? Uh, feeling a little cold, so I have a big fluffy blanket, and I drape it over myself. 
to stay warm. It's kind of like wrapping or covering, right? To drape it or to wrap it or cover myself with it. Etch is close to engrave. Yes, yes, yes. Laser etching, laser engraving would actually be the same thing. Etch and engrave are pretty much, can be used often in the same way. If you don't use this fancy vocabulary, you end up forgetting it. So it's good to uh, use flashcards. Ah, yeah, I agree. Is gaze and contemplate in... Oh, gaze is... Contempl contemplar in Spanish. Okay, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> Maybe the Snickers brand is referring to a sort of laughing. I could be, I wonder. Yeah, I'm not sure. Thanks for that picking your nose correction. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Uh, what are we getting to next? Thanks for those joining live. It's great to have you here. I hope uh, hope everyone's having a good uh, good weekend. I am, I guess. Although I feel like I'm busy all the time now. Busy, busy, all the time busy. Constantly busy. And I wish I was a little less busy, to be honest. I feel like I'm just constantly working and doing stuff and taking care of stuff. And it's nice. It's good, but sometimes I do feel a little tired. It would be cool to just take one day where I just do nothing, you know. That might be cool. That might be so cool if I could do that. That might be so nice. Who knows? Okay. All right. Shall we do an article or shall we learn about direct and indirect objects. How's the baby doing, says Alejandro. The baby is doing very, very well. He's developing very quickly. So many interesting milestones. He likes to laugh. He likes to roll over. He is showing preferences. You know, he likes some things and not others. He can be very active. He's got a good sense of humor. He likes to read books, or likes when I read books to him. Uh, he likes to he likes to play. His hand-eye coordination is getting a lot better. It's pretty mind-blowing how much can happen in four months. You go from this little baby who, let's be honest, newborn babies are not expressing that. They're, they're, they're just kind of there, honestly. They're not... <laughs> they're not that interesting in terms of what they do. They're just there... And you feed them and they sleep and poop, basically. Poop, sleep, eat. Poop, sleep, eat. Poop, sleep, eat. But once babies grow up, then you start to see some things happening. Uh, learning to look around at stuff. Learning to pay attention to what people are doing. Recognizing different faces. Learning to laugh at things and smile at things and cry at things. And... Um, uh, new facial expressions happening and uh, getting a lot bigger and starting to play and starting to interact with objects and learn how to grip things and learn how to hold things and, and uh, you know, that sort of thing is, I, I think, pretty cool. Pretty, 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 pretty cool. Uh, Alejandro, want to see a picture of him? Yeah, I can show you a picture of him. I can, I can pop that up right now. I can pop one up right now. Let me do that. Give me a second. 
Let's see what would be a good one to use. What would be a good one to use? Um, I'm just looking through some photos here. Give me a second. All right. Okay, here's a good one. I like this one. All right, I'm going to pop this one up on screen. Yeah. Okay, so here's a picture of Pi. There he is. There he is. The little scratch on his face is he had scratched himself. Um, <laughs> sometimes he just scratches his face, his own face. It's kind of crazy. Uh, he's got a. He's definitely got a more of a facial expressions. You know, he likes to kind of laugh and uh, hold. He's holding himself up, of course, on his elbows. So, yeah, he's very cute. I think. He's very cute. He's very, very cute, in my opinion. Okay. He is gazing. Yes, he is. He is absolutely gazing at you. He has a very intense gaze. A very intense gaze. All right. We're going to do one more. I think we're going to do a grammar lesson. I think we'll get to the maybe the article another day but I want to get to um, I want to get to this grammar lesson oops okay bear with me for just a second all right let's hop over to let me make sure my Sometimes I have some blackboard issues. So let me make sure my my pen is working and then we'll hop over to the blackboard. I've historically had some pen problems. Let me see. Okay, I think we're good to go. I think we're good to go. Right. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about how we can use direct and indirect objects. Just as a reminder before we hop over to the board. An object is on the other side of the verb, not the thing or the person doing the action, right? So if I say, I gave it, then I am the subject, gave is the verb, and it whatever it is, is the object. But there are two different types, two main types of objects, direct and indirect objects. Now again, we're going to look at some examples here on the board. A direct object is what the action of the verb is acting upon, right? 
So a direct object will answer what, what, or who, maybe technically whom, right, after the verb. For example, she ate an apple. She ate an apple. And an indirect object is more about to whom or to what or for who, for whom that action is done. That's the indirect, right? So if I, <clears throat> if I gave it, well, it is the direct object. It's kind of the thing that the action is acting on, is about. But if I say I gave it to her, then her is the indirect object. <clears throat> now, sometimes the indirect object goes in front of the direct object, and sometimes it goes after. So let's start looking at some examples. Let's first go over to the board so that we can understand how this works, okay? <clears throat> okay, so here we are on the board. Now I'm just going to give my I'm going to give my same examples here. I'm just going to pull this down. I'm going to give the same the same examples that I gave. We're just going to write them down and try to understand how this works. Okay. Actually, no. I'm going to use I, I said it. I want to avoid it. I want to give a specific a specific uh, noun. Okay. So uh, she ate an apple. So she is the subject, ate, past tense verb, and an apple is the direct object, basically answering the question, what? or who, or whom, okay. Now, if we want to understand indirect, she gave her sister an apple. Okay, now, this is not for every single type of verb. Because in this case, ate is, is a direct relationship between she and the apple, right? So, most of the time, in this case, we're not bringing in other things, other, other objects. Now, I suppose you could say, for example, she ate an apple for me. <laughs> <laughs> Technically, that's grammatically correct, right? But often for eight, it's going to be a, a specific connection between these two things, connecting them with eight. In this case, she gave her sister an apple. Well, if I just say she gave her sister, that doesn't really make sense unless somehow she's able to actually use her sister as a thing to give others. But what it means here is her sister received the apple. 
What did her sister receive? An apple. Who received it? Her sister. So again, the indirect, and so here, let's label this again. So she is again the subject, and gave is again the verb, and her sister now is the indirect, the indirect object, and an apple is now still the direct object. What did you give? I gave an apple. What did you give? I gave an apple. So that's me and the apple. <laughs> Right, connected by the action give. Nothing else is involved. And the apple is con directly connected to the action. The action is happening to the apple. It is being given. It is the direct object. Okay. Now, somebody is receiving that apple. So if I want to now talk about the recipient of the apple, then I need an indirect object. And in this case, that is her sister. All right. So this should not be too complicated. In this case, we have subject verb, indirect object, direct object. Okay, great. Let's just make sure we understand the basic structure. Okay. I want you to see if you can label this in your head before I do. Mom read What's a good what's a good baby's name? I use pie. Pie a story. I'm going to make this a little lower so that I can label it a little easier. A story. Okay. Can you label this? Do you see the structure? Who is doing the action? Who is the subject? Mom. And I'm looking over here because I'm looking at my, my board. Okay. Subject. What is the action? Reading. Okay. So red, verb. Now, what if we don't know the direction of the story? We just know that this action happened. And the thing that happened specifically is that what, what was read? Was it a book? Was it a recipe? No, it was a story. So if we want to know what the direct object is, we look at the thing that is directly connected to the action, the action that the verb, the verb is doing to what or to whom, right? Well, maybe that makes it a little more confusing. Let's just say it like this. The thing that the verb is about, maybe that makes it easier. That might be an easier way to say it, okay? So mom read a story. Is that a sentence? Yes. Yes, it is. Mom read a story. Pretty clear. But now we want to introduce who she read the story to, right? To who? To whom? For what? For whom? So it's almost a second layer, right? It's almost an added detail. Because if I just say, mom read 
pi. Well, that doesn't even make sense. I say mom read a story, that makes sense at least. I don't know who heard the story, but I, I know she read a story, so at least I understand it. So this is, in, in many ways, makes it make sense. I know what this verb is about. And if I want to then add something, the recipient, who's getting it, who it's for, right? Who it is intended to be directed to, then I need the indirect object. In that case, this is pi. Okay, so that's the structure. Now, sometimes we use a preposition. Sometimes when we are writing sentences, we use a preposition. And a preposition might be to, for, from, with, by, on. Okay, you know those, right? Right? Yeah. So if we want to use a preposition, we change the order most of the time. So before we had subject, verb, indirect object, direct object. She read him a story. But if we're using a preposition, then it changes around. So, again, usually two or four, for example. Often it's two and four for these. So for this one, she sent a letter to her friend. And we're going to combine these as one thing, her friend. And in fact, to make it even simpler, I'm going to replace her friend with Alice. But you can say her friend, it's the same. I just want to avoid any confusion, okay? Again, we have she. What is she? Subject, verbs, and... But now, what did she send? A letter. So, that's the thing that the verb is about, right? She sent a letter. She read a story. She sent a package. So this is now the direct, the direct object. That's the object of the verb, direct object of the verb. And now before we had the indirect first here and then the direct. So before it was she sent Alice a letter. Would that be correct if we said she sent Alice a letter? Yes. That would be perfectly correct. She sent Alice a letter. But sometimes we don't want to structure it that way. We want to use a preposition. And so when we are using a preposition, then the indirect object goes after the direct object. In this case, she sent verb a letter direct to preposition 
Alice indirect. And if that is instead her friend, then it's the same. Still the indirect, okay? Now, what about four? Let's try an example with four. Let's try an example with four. Let's do one more example. I just want to make sure you've got this. Okay. I made this for you. That's a simple sentence, right? I, subject, made, verb, this. What is this? Well, this could be, I made this hammock. I made this casserole. I made this uh, box, uh, whatever, right? This thing. I made this thing, made this thing. So the verb is, co is connected to its direct object. In this case, that's, that's what we're talking about. What the verb is about. So we have the direct object for preposition and you could be a name here or whatever them whatever it's still indirect okay and that's it that's basically it to get it to make sure you've got it hopefully it's clear the way i've explained it what you have to do is practice it so i'll give you a challenge to practice okay here is your challenge to practice this grammar. I want you to create, so here's your practice. I want you to create four sentences using one, The verb give, and I'm just going to put direct object book and indirect. <laughs> I should write that whole thing. Her, and I want you to make two with that. And then I want you to do another one with verb tell, direct joke, indirect us. Okay? So I want you to try to see if you can make sentences with those pieces. It shouldn't be that hard with this explanation. But once you're done with them, please share them. I would love to take a look. If you found this useful, don't forget to hit the like button and subscribe. And again, let me know if you have any questions in the comments. And get a free course, Natural English Conversations, in the links in the description. Okay. So hopefully that's clear. little grammar for you. A little grammar never hurt anybody. A little grammar never hurt anybody. Alejandro says how cute he is. I agree. Thank you, Alejandro. I appreciate that. Thank you, Janik. I appreciate that. And Rula, thank you so much. 
All right, friends, neighbors, citizens. Upstanding citizens, I think it's time to call it a day. There are a few topics we didn't get to that we will get to next week. So look forward to that. If there are topics you want me to talk about, leave those suggestions in the comments. I actually take those suggestions and talk about those things. If there's anything I didn't get to, again, let me know in the comments. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, join the Discord. That's free. You can join that in the links in the description. Get a free course, Natural English Conversations. 30% off the yearly membership. You can get that monthly payments if you want. That means the yearly, the yearly membership, access to all the courses on the website. But you can pay monthly. And the monthly payment is 30% off. It's a good deal. It is a good deal. Right? That's an uncommon thing. So check that out in the links in the description as well. And I think that's about it. Well, have a great one. Take care, stay safe, and I'll see you in the next one. Bye.